Pass Around the Smile is like your go-to friend, the one that lifts you up and backs you to the end. She's there to guide and inspire, challenge and teach, and remind you that your best self isn't out of reach. Self-development, manifestation, self-love and more, it's time to trust the process more than ever before. Welcome to Pass Around the Smile, the podcast. I'm your host, Cleo Massey, and I am so glad you're here. Let the magic begin. I'm very excited to introduce a friend of mine to you. Her name is Maddie Story, and she is an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to equipping people with user-friendly tools for self-reflection and brain wiring. Maddie empowers individuals all over Australia and New Zealand to manifest the lives they genuinely desire to lead through demystifying the complexities of neuroscience and psychology. I am honestly so excited for this chat, and I just know my pass around the smilers are going to love what Mads has to say. Maddie's research and field of expertise is particularly mind-blowing for those of us who love the woo-woo side of things. It's just really reassuring to hear just how much backs the power of positive thinking, gratitude, mindfulness, manifestation, all the magical stuff that we love. But it's time to get into this chat with this powerful, wildly smart and amazing woman. Welcome, Maddie. Thank you. Oh my God, I'm so excited to have you here. It does just feel like we're at coffee. Well, coffee and hot chocolate. Coffee and hot chocolate, yes. yes. Coffee for me and then hot chocolate for you. Yes, that's exactly right. With marshmallows. Yes, of course. Yes. Yes. I don't know why they haven't put marshmallows in my coffee yet. Someone's going to ask. It's quite rude. It is quite rude. Like, don't assume. Don't assume. Don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions that I don't want it. Hello everyone, we have Maddie in the studio and as I said in my intro, I just know that you are all going to absolutely love her and I just cannot wait for you guys to hear what she has to say because honestly, like when you talk, I'm just like so enthralled. Um, so let's just, let's just get straight into it and I think I want to start with a bit of a manifesting question Yes, because my community just love <laughs> anything to do with manifestation. So I wanted yes. to know that kind of more about the subconscious mind and Mm -hmm. why understanding what our subconscious mind is doing and saying and dictating is so important when it actually comes to manifesting successfully. Yes. Yeah. Big question. Big question. We'll start with a big one. Yeah. I feel like manifesting is probably one of those words that gets thrown around a lot. Mm. Um, It's quite trendy at the moment, which is incredible as well, but I don't think anyone really understands how hard it is. So I look at it quite differently, probably from, I guess, the science perspective and the spiritual perspective as well. I've gotten quite interested in, I think, like Buddhism and different things like that as well, which is really cool. But one of the things I think they always tell you in any sort of teachings around whether it's religion or philosophy or manifesting, it's like you have to believe it, right? Or you have to kind of believe it like it's already happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Which sounds really simple, yeah. but it's not when you actually understand kind of a little bit around the neuroscience of our brain as well. Because what we think, feel and do, 95% of it is subconscious. That's like yeah. such a big amount. I know. And I think people realise that. So 95% of what you do, you're not consciously aware of. So are you kind of saying that our subconscious mind basically dictates 95% of our behaviour? Yes. Yeah. Which is terrifying, yeah, exactly, really. yeah. And I think this is the thing. People don't realise how complex it is or how much of what they're doing they're unaware of. And I think one of my favourite quotes, I've probably said this to you a million times, <laughs> but until you make your subconscious conscious, you're guided by that and you'll call it fate. Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is really good. And I feel that hopefully that will make a little bit more sense throughout the podcast as well. But until you really understand some of the habits that you're running off, some of the belief systems that you're running off that you're unaware of, you're not really going to be able to create the life that you want because you're not consciously creating it. You're running on autopilot essentially. Yeah. So let's say, for example, like if we talk about the subconscious to kind of start with, if you're wanting to bring in maybe um, financial success or career success or as simple as maybe a your idea of a healthy relationship and you didn't see that as a child yeah. and you haven't really seen examples or you haven't experienced it, you might not believe on a subconscious level that it's possible. Mm. So all your behavior is going to dictate that as well. What you think, your habits, what you feel consciously, you could sit there and kind of say, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, I, I want my dream job. I really want my dream job. But you might have some belief systems there mm. that are conflicting with that. Yeah, yeah, so even if we're saying, like, the positive mantras, like, I deserve this big, beautiful house, yes. or, like, you know, it doesn't do anything if our subconscious mind is saying you don't deserve that big, beautiful house because you grew up in, you know, wherever you grew up. Yeah, essentially you can say, well, and, like, mantras do help, and I'll yes. get into that as well. They're really, really important, and they're a tool that you use to retrain the subconscious mind to an extent. Yeah. But there's you, you can do all the mantras in the world, you can do all the visualizations in the world, and if you've got some conflicting subconscious programming, it's not going to work. I guess the way I kind of look at manifest and I look at it very differently as well. I kind of look at it as it's your subconscious programming plus aligned action. Oh, yes. So, it's really what you believe on in your whole body as well, and your body has a huge part to play into it. Yeah. Because your body is your brain, essentially. Yeah. There's an incredible book that actually talks about that. And then your aligned action. So you can consciously sit there and say, um, you know, I, I want this dream house or I want that, but your, your aligned action isn't going to get there. Yeah. And I think I've spoken about it. I used to be petrified of public speaking, right? So if I sat there and going, okay, in my head, yeah, I want to be a great public speaker. I want to be Barack Obama. Our brain actually does have an inbuilt bullshit detector. Can I swear by the way? Yes, you're so I was like, that will actually come out. Um, Our brain has it. Yeah, it has an inbuilt bullshit detector as well. It needs evidence. It goes off that past experiences. So if I say, yeah, I want to be a speaker, and I get up there and I visualize it, and then what happens, my fight or flight takes over, Mm. and I have basically my subconscious mind takes over and what happens when we go into fight or flight is the part of our brain which is prefrontal cortex but essentially that's responsible for our conscious choice and our logic you know our logical decision making yeah that's drained of all its resources in that particular moment so your subconscious takes over Uh and then what would happen is i'd have a really probably unhelpful experience when i was public speaking yeah body would start to shake, voice would start to tremble, my brain would start to look for all the evidence that people weren't enjoying what I was having to say and I'd probably do a pretty terrible job essentially and then I would start to really reaffirm that belief system that I wasn't good enough. Right. So what is going to happen is I'm continuing to really hardwire that belief system that I'm not a great public speaker. I'm never going to take aligned action to get to where I want to get to. Okay, and then so can we use your example then, what did you do to overcome (laughs) that then? Like how did you unseat that bad thought that was stuck in your subconscious? Yeah, Yeah. and I think it's really, and that's what we'll kind of get into today as well, it's so dependent on 
where that experience came from and what trauma was attached to it. So for me, I can probably remember back to the first experience. I was eight years old and I got up there and I remember just seeing black and I went off and I just ran off in tears. I was like, no, that's not for me. I'm not doing that. That, This is bullshit. Like this is. And then I think what happened there is that was the start of my belief system around not being a great public speaker. Yeah. And I didn't even realise that that was something that I wanted to do or was my passion really because I think if I went back to where I was a child, where I was my natural best, I was putting on shows and I was telling stories and I just loved it. But I had that one experience and then what happened was I avoided it throughout school when that fight or flight response took over and then I started to develop that belief system that I was just not a great public speaker. Right. And then I finished uni and somehow I just got into a job where facilitation became an option and then my manager at the time he saw a couple of like he saw me speak to a couple of people and he was like I think you'd be a really good facilitator and I was like all right I was like what does that entail he's like public speaking I was like no no (laughs) I'm out I was like no 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 no." um and he was like how do you feel when you're running those group sessions with two or three people and I was like oh cloud nine I love it And then I think the motivation was there to overcome that belief system. And this is the biggest thing as well. You've really got to have the motivation to want to change. Yeah. Because if you don't have the motivation, you won't change. Yeah. Um, So the motivation was there because I started to find out about careers that were on offer for me, what it could look like. And then suddenly the sudden urge came, all right, I, I can overcome this. And there wasn't that many terrible experience attached to it besides I'd had some you know, ran off the stage and yeah. probably some quite embarrassing, I guess, shameful moments. Yeah. But there, it wasn't that entrenched in a really unhelpful experience. So it was probably yeah. a little bit easier to rewire. Um, and then eventually what he said, he was like, look, I've got this gig that I need you to MC in like nine months. And I was like, what do you mean MC? I was like, I'm never public. Yeah. <laughs> I've, never, I've never got up and done anything like that in my life. Yeah. And it's interesting because they reckon the research is kind of saying at the moment to change your mental habit or rewire your brain, it takes about nine to 12 months of consistent practice. Just seems that the universe is like, here's exactly yeah. nine <laughs> months for you to reprogram whatever is going on in there. Yeah, to get your shit together. Yeah, 100%. Like, here's your timeline. Um, and again, that's really dependent on what you've been through too. Like if there's other experiences attached to it it could take a lot longer as well but um so that was something that I had in my mind and then there was a lot of knowledge I think from people I were working was working with around kind of neuroplasticity and well-being and different things like that so I had to really train and this is the thing I think what happens is we've got to retrain our nervous system so we can't go from being a scared public speaker to emceeing overnight you're going to overwhelm your nervous system and your brain's wired for safety. Yeah. So what's going to happen is you're going to probably sort of that belief system is going to become stronger that you're not enough. So you've got to kind of put yourself in an uncomfortable situation but incrementally so you're not yes. overwhelming your, like your nervous system as well. You're building that resilience. Yeah. Because I think when you have a resilient nervous system, it's about kind of putting yourself into an uncomfortable situation, feeling uncomfortable, feeling the stress response but being able to get out of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes so much sense. Yeah, because I think that's a lot of, there's that, and it is a valid quote, but a lot of people out there are like, do hard things and, which does, yes, 100% do hard things. Put Mm. yourself out of your comfort zone, but don't overwhelm yourself. No. 
it's going to do more harm than good. Yeah. yeah. I, I find that too with mantras. Like I have yes. a lot of people wanting to create those mantras that are so big. Mm. And, you know, if you're going through a depressive state or if you're feeling anxious or if you just have some limiting beliefs that are holding you back and you're saying a mantra like, I am so capable in the workplace and everybody wants to work with me, you're not going to believe it and it's going to do more harm than good and remind yourself that you are not that because you don't feel that and don't believe that. Yes, So I I agree. Like, I think bring it back down. Like, we don't have to keep striving for, like, greatness and to be the best and, like, hustle, hustle, hustle. Like, I think this hustle culture has become very apparent. Yeah, it's it's unproductive. And it's, it's so true of what you were saying around people grabbing these mantras that are going to make them feel worse about themselves because it's like when I talk about the brain having a bullshit detector, Mm. it needs evidence. So if I sat there, all my experiences, so when we think of the subconscious brain, the two most important things to remember, I mean, there's a lot of things to remember, but the things that are kind of relevant for this sort of podcast is it houses maybe attitudes and beliefs that you're unaware of and it also houses all your habits, mental and physical as well. Mm. So if your brain is always going to kind of dig into past experiences to guide us through our decisions as well. It has it. It's basically how it keeps us alive, right? Yeah. Because it's wired for safety. So it's basically telling me, hey, Maddie, you've had some pretty poor experiences with public speaking. I've got some experiences here. I, I'm, I'm, my body's shutting you down because it doesn't want you to get up there and do that because it's kind of wanting to keep me safe. Yeah. Whether that's helping me or not, it's probably not. Yeah. It's definitely not, but my brain is kind of sitting there, I want to keep you safe as well. So I can't sit there and tell my brain I'm Barack Obama when my whole brain's sitting there going, no, 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 this is... And I think people, and and when we talk about workplaces or whatever it is, if you feel a social threat and you feel a physical threat, your brain can't really tell the difference. Yeah, okay. It will, like, if if you're feeling socially threatened, like, this is why people fear public speaking. Yeah. It has a pretty similar response to if you're in physical danger. Right. Yeah. So your brain can't tell the difference if, like, a lion is running at you. Yes. Versus in – does that go for, like, say, confrontation as well? Like, if you're having a confrontation with, like, a friend or a work colleague, what happens there and how do we, like – Oh. How do we deal with that in a way that is calm and when we can actually perceive – clearly yeah that is that is a massive topic as well that I'll get into because when we talk about the kind of fight or flight response um they're not the only two f responses that we can have we can also have um a freeze response or a fawn response and fawn is basically to like people please or to shut down and basically at all cost avoid the confrontation as well. So for most people, and it really depends on people's experiences. So growing up, Mm. confrontation could have been really unsafe for someone. So when they're in there, and that can feel like the worst thing in the entire world as well, you know, you you shut down and your whole body's like, I want to get out of this. This feels like the worst danger. And a big thing when we talk about confrontation in the workplace, if you look at the history and how humans have evolved, we've survived in communities Like, we continue to survive in communities. So being socially safe and having a sense of social well-being 
is paramount for our survival on so many levels. Mm. Not only our survival growing up, but also how we continue to evolve and be well as a human. No amount of, I guess, journaling and all these other fantastic things that we can do for our mental health will ever outdo the need for human connection. Yeah, and Mm. I know, like, you and me have talked about this a lot, what we sacrifice for human connection. Yes, yes. people-pleasing, a big one. Yes. And what I guess we are doing by people-pleasing is sacrificing what might be really important to us and our values and our yes. beliefs. So talk us through that. I know we're kind of jumping. Yeah. There's so much exciting stuff to talk about. I know, I know. And I think when we come, like, this idea of, like, rewiring our brain and different things like that, when it comes to public speaking, which is really ironic, which was what I was telling you before, it's now I'm, I feel like it's one of my biggest gifts. It's what I do. Yeah. So it is very, very possible. But I think what is interesting when we talk about confrontation and people pleasing if I'm being vulnerable that's one of the hardest things that I've had to overcome and I'm still working on it and I think we sacrifice our authenticity for connection all the time Mm. because a need for connection is always probably going to be the strongest desire for a human but also our need to be our authentic selves is so paramount and that's just so conflicting yes isn't it people sacrifice and I've done that so much until I've gone, and it's quite interesting because I've been working in, I guess, mental health and personal development or whatever. I I find those words sometimes really cringy, (laughs) but, you know, I've been working this for so long and until I've actually deep dived into some of my own stuff that was a lot more complicated, Mm. I don't think I realised how much I sacrificed my authenticity or have for connection. And I think if you look at whatever religion you buy into, you know, if you're an atheist, if you're spiritual, whatever Mm. it is, humans have a need to be their true selves. Yeah. We have a need to be seen for who we are. And when we try to sacrifice that, it has such unpleasant outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, when we do it over and over for so long, our Mm. subconscious mind, I guess, gets attached to what we're doing and it becomes like a – it almost feels like it's a part of us. Yes. And that we can't ever detach from that. Yeah, and there's so many people who have their identity as a people pleaser. Yes. That used to be me. I I would call myself and I'd be like, I'm Maddie the people pleaser. And I think one of the things before you start to kind of go through down this train of trying to rewire that, and a huge part of it is going to a psychologist, which Mm. I'm a massive advocate for. Because when we spoke about at the beginning, 95% of what we think, feel, say, and do is subconscious. No matter how incredible you are, you can't do that on your own. No, you need help. You've got to have someone challenge you. Like, you've got to have somebody come in and say, hey, you've done this or have you identified this? And it's incredibly life-changing. But I think when we talk about this idea of letting go of an identity as a people pleaser, I thought it was for me, oh, I'm not going to be a nice person anymore. Mm -hmm. I love that quote and I'm going to get it wrong, but it's something (laughs) like... You can still be bold and be kind. Yes. You can be – see, I, I can't remember the rest of it. No, but bold, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, yeah, you yes. can still be kind and empathetic and a good friend and a yes. good listener. Yes. But you can have your boundaries in place. Yes. And you can say no without feeling guilty. Like yes. you can do all of these things because this is our life and we deserve to live it yes. and love it as well. But why why do we people please? Like, why do we do that? So if we look at it from, and this is where I think people need to be a lot kinder to themselves and also be kinder to people who do people please. Mm, like, it, not take advantage of that. Yeah. And also understand, because it can be quite frustrating if someone is people pleasing and you know you're really close to them mm-hmm. and you're desiring authentic connection or, in, you know, in a friendship or a romantic relationship, it can be quite difficult. Yeah. But 
and I'll kind of share my own experience with this as well, when we talk about the fight or flight, so when we feel stressed, so getting back to that work confrontation, right? Yeah. You're feeling socially threatened. So you're starting to go, okay, shit, I'm feeling socially threatened. And then, for example, throughout my childhood, my survival mechanism to get through was to fawn to people, please. So my body's being like, all right, this isn't good. You know how you're going to survive? You need to go into that fawn response. So I go into that logical part of my brain. It's not working. So consciously, I want to sit there and say, hey, actually, you know, I don't really like what you did there, but I don't have much control over that because I'm going into that fawn response. Very similar to if someone was going into the fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you see that all the time, that people go, I just need to run away. I can't. And you can feel yourself going into that. So at all costs, you people, please. And it's also we're not very in touch with our feelings when something like that happens. We go into anxiety and thoughts rather than actually processing what's going on. So Right. And does that kind of like cloud our judgment? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we just go straight into everything's fine. It's okay. Put our head down because we want to be a part of the community. We want to survive. You're sacrificing that. Yeah. And at work, like it happens all the time because works for most of us is probably in an environment where it's the biggest community that most of us are a part of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, it's it's really interesting with work environments because they're not very in tune to how the brain works. They're quite extrinsically motivated, so they're kind of motivated by reward and punishment, uh-huh. whereas our brains are actually motivated by things like connection, respect, physical and social safety. It's, it's not an environment where, especially someone who, not all the time, and I'm not speaking for all workplaces, but someone who has who's more likely to fawn, yeah. it's it's going to be very helpful for them. So people-pleasing is a way of surviving. Like we're community-based creatures. We want to connect. For a lot of us, it could be attached to a lot of childhood trauma as well. That mm. was how we got through. That's how we learned to survive. Mm. So even though we're not a child anymore and the adult that we're talking to you know, is probably going to be okay with us saying that we're upset. Yeah. Most relationships, healthy relationships, can withstand disappointment, can withstand a bit of rejection. They have to. Yeah. But our body doesn't remember that, so it just goes into that mode. And then what happens is when we're doing that all the time, it damages our connections. It also really damages our self-esteem and our subconscious programming. Yeah, and I guess we're kind of affirming those limiting beliefs that are sitting in our subconscious yes. that we're not enough yes. or we're not a good friend or whatever yes. it is, oh. we're affirming it and yeah. then making it so much worse Yes, rather than actually doing the work. But doing the work is hard. Doing the work is so hard. And when we talk about taking a line action to get where you want to or create what you want, yeah. when you're working from a response like this, it's really hard. And I mm. think I felt like a bit of a fraud, I guess, because I've been working in this space for so long and I'd seen psychologists, but I'd never actually gotten invested. Yeah you know, a, a huge amount of time. Mm. And I think when we talk about doing the work, we can read all these books about, you know, well-being and manifesting or whatever it is or mental health or whatever it might be. We can read all these books and it's great. But in that moment when you're you're activated, you're amygdala. So what happens is when we sense danger, physical or social danger, our amygdala kind of sets off like a little smoke detector and mm-hmm. we go into fight or flight. We get we get hijacked because we just want to go into safety or freeze or fawn or whatever yeah. it is. A lot of people might have that freeze response where they just... Freeze. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just stand there and like, I'm a mute. Um, so everything that you know about theory or mental health, it goes. You yeah. go straight into you want to keep, you want to survive. And I think until I saw a psychologist, like you, you can't read a book about swimming, and yeah. become good at swimming. You've got to practice it. Yes. 
work has got to be practiced, like well-being, mental health has got to be practiced day in and day mm-hmm. out. For some stuff, like for me, public speaking, I was able to do that on my own. Yeah. Whereas people pleasing was something that I've needed to, based on childhood traumas and different things I went through, Yeah. I needed to bring in a psychologist. And I think where I knew how much of a fantasy is a bit of a laugh, I'd found like the one as a psychologist and I went in and I was like, oh my God, I really like her. I like, want to be friends with her, which you can't be friends with your psychologist. <laughs> and <laughs> I sat there in for like 10 minutes and I was like, I feel like I'm really emotionally dumping on her. <laughs> what you're going there for. Were you like, how are you though? I did do that. <laughs> yeah. You did. You <laughs> wanted to ask her all Inst- about herself, didn't you? Instinctively, I felt so guilty. And then she said to me, she's like, you realise you come in here for, I pay a decent amount of money for these sessions, but you want to talk about 10 minutes and ask me about my day. Like, I feel like that would make me feel more comfortable. Thank you. <laughs> Like, it would be so much to be like, when you talk about this, you look away or your body reacts there. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm a real people pleaser. And she's like, yeah, darling. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, can I ask you a question? Yes. And if this is too personal, we no. don't have to go there. But yes. on your – because I've been on a similar journey. I mm. used to be a people pleaser in so many different areas. Yes. And I think yes. for me that came from my acting background, yes. always wanting to be picked. Like, yes. you know, like yes. me the most, yes. you know. Yeah, yeah. And – what I found was when I started to unpack it all and change some things mm. that I was met with a bit of, you know, some some questions from people that yes. knew me as a people pleaser because all yes. of a sudden I was saying no to things and I was taking care of myself. So have you kind of found that response from people around you? Like how – because yes. I guess we probably have listeners being like, yeah, okay, it's all well and good to just – not become a people pleaser anymore, even though the journey is hard. Yes. But you have, you're met with resistance along the way. A hundred percent. And I will say, this is one of, like anything when you go into, and really conscious that people have different experiences, like with your acting, we've discussed about that. And my experience, like everyone's had some different experiences that they've learned. And I think, to be honest, I think in general in society, especially for women, there's a lot of kind of unconscious sort of we have to be the nice person we have to say yes we have to you know kind of be quiet be be good be the nice girl like you know don't and I think that most women I speak to and I'm not saying that actually because I've got like a lot of male friends who struggle with this as well yeah but like people have struggled with this to some sort of end as well and depending what you've been through it is hard and it is so hard when you're met with resistance from people because your whole survival instinct like, if I'm being really honest, my whole self-worth used to be around being liked. Yeah. At all costs. Like, it was like, I have to be, to be enough, I have to be liked by people. Even if I'm being really honest, people I probably didn't even respect. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I have absolutely felt the same and I've yes. journaled and I've journaled about it to yes. try and release it. Yeah. I'm like, why do I care what this person thinks about me mm. when we're very different people? Mm-hmm. I might not even respect the way that they live their lives. Yeah. Yet I want to impress them. Yes. Why? Why do we, why? (laughs) It's a lot of it's unconscious. There's something in there that you have got to discover about yourself as well. And this is the benefit of going to a psychologist. It's like until, like if we talk about pain or anything like that, which I think people pleasing is a form of pain. Like a lot of people pleasers are probably just walking around with a lot of repressed anger. 
And that's another thing. We don't need to be scared of anger. But Mm. I think pain is or our body is coming up because it wants us to resolve something. It's not something to be scared of. Mm. It's like you'll continue to probably go into fight or flight or fawn in certain situations because your body's remembering. Mm. You're like, in saying that, like, I don't want to say that fight or flight's a bad response because you're always going to go into it. But it's, it's how quickly you get out of it and it's... It's how resilient your nervous system is and you've been able to recognize it and manage it because it's an amazing response. It keeps us alive. Yeah. But there is times where you go into it where it's really, really unhelpful and you you could be because you might be triggered by something. It doesn't have to be a huge thing in your life. Um, it's until you kind of realize or deal with it, you're going to continually to probably do things that's unconscious as well. Yeah. And like what we were saying before is hurt people hurt people too. Yeah, so absolutely. You... Yeah, I guess you'll continue to kind of be triggered by it until you actually release what that emotion is. And it probably is still a, and I know that's a confronting thing to say, but needing to be liked by people and putting all your self-worth into someone else still is something around that belief system that you need to work through. And it's not a, it's not a bad thing as well. I kind of think of work as, or inner work, it's kind of like a Harry Potter series. You just, it's volume after volume. Just, it, yeah. And we're never, we're never going to be perfect. And that no. can feel defeating when yes. you're doing the work. Yeah. But it also like the work does get lighter and it does get easier. And yes. the more that you like recognize about yourself, the more empowered you feel. And yes. then the more empowered people around you feel because they yes. feel inspired by your examples. So, yes. Yeah, it's all. I love this stuff. <laughs> I know. It's so I love f- this conversation. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's like that's the thing. It gets easier, and you you become more vulnerable and yeah. more authentic. And what I will say is, when you start to do this work initially, it's going to feel really hard. Mm. It's going to feel really uncomfortable because you're already trying to do something that your body goes, "Hey, I want to keep you safe. I want you to people please." And then mm. you're met with people kind of saying you know, or giving you resistance to it. And it's a hard thing to realise that if people are unhappy with you or, um, you know, are meeting resistance or whatever it is, it's normally a case because they're dealing with something. Yes, it's a reflection of what, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's hard because, it like, no matter what you do, like, you could be the most perfect human being on planet Earth, which doesn't exist, mm-hmm. We wouldn't be funny if we were. We wouldn't. Yeah. And we're really funny. <laughs> I like to think so. I will get several lot of shit from my friend saying that. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I like to think I'm funny. Um, it, um, it's, you, you can't control what people think. Like, but everyone is going to, like, not everyone is going to like you. And that is such a scary thing that I've had and I'm still not there because I completely where you are as well I'm probably getting to those stages where I'm like okay this is the next layer like yeah it's it's a really hard thing to accept and also just to be kind to yourself because your brain goes okay socially I want to survive I want to be liked by everyone I want to be a part of a community so that's when someone angry at you can feel like a lion's coming at you oh absolutely doesn't mean that you're dramatic no (laughs) and and like if that's the way you feel then that's okay yeah I love that quote that's what is it? Here I go again. (laughs) It's something like I'm allowed to make a big deal out of things that are a big deal to me. Yes. So like if you are feeling hurt, but it might be something that someone else perceives as small, it's still okay. Everything's relative. You can still feel hurt by that thing. 
Yes. Be kind to yourself, you know. Let yourself have that and deal with it and then move on when the time is right. See, the thing is so many people, and this leads me into a, to a really interesting topic, so many people don't know how to process their feelings. I always, like, things that I value are authenticity and vulnerability, hugely. But I remember going to the psychologist and she said something to me. She said, you're actually really not vulnerable. Mm. And I was like, what? And she's like, every time you talk about something, an experience I had as a child um, or and things that I probably didn't realise how big they were, she's like, you're so detached from it. She's like, you laugh, you, you look away. Oh, okay. And that was my way of protecting it because I hadn't kind of sort of jumped in and actually resolved what was going on. And I think when it comes to when we're starting to change habits like people pleasing or whatever it is and depending what it's attached from it's probably going to feel worse before it gets better oh yeah yeah and but that's okay because once you get through it it's the most liberating incredible experience and I think the thing with feelings which I didn't know I'm like I feel like with my background and everything I've studied I've always been like I'm really good with my feelings I'm really emotionally intelligent which I wasn't like (laughs) I was I was a good thinker yeah. And your thoughts, honestly, don't listen to them half the time. Our brain is so programmed by everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, they're not always real and they're manic and they're just it, – it's funny what I said because she called me out on something. I said, I think I feel. And then I, she's like, what did you just say? And she's like, I think. She's like, you're not actually in touch with your feelings. Oh, yeah. see, and this is the powerful stuff that you can get from a psychologist yes. that you wouldn't have got from journaling. No. Or you wouldn't no. have got from from meditating. Yes. yes. But then you can take that thought and you can go and journal and meditate on it. It elevates it, all yeah. those tools. Like, yeah. it, it elevates all those tools, which I talk about. Like, it really, it elevates that to a completely yes. new level. And even, like, to actually perform and, you know, work in... I guess, well, I, I kind of talk a lot about high performance because of the work I do, but to really do that, I think everyone will lead or go after what you want. You need to kind of see what's holding you back. And I guarantee you, like, if you have limiting beliefs around a romantic relationship or a career or whatever it is, and you're not getting the results you want, there's probably some unhelpful programming yeah, there. 100%. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, like, it, And it, it's what you think. And even just... I guess, looking at yourself and going, what did I think that day? What did I, you will be quite maybe a little bit shocked Mm. because so much of it is unconscious too. Yeah. Wow. And and so going back to our unconscious thoughts, all these thoughts that we have thousands and thousands, I think it's like 50 to 60,000 thoughts a day. And if you have anxiety, it's like so much more. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So we have that many thoughts a day and very often if, let's go back to say we are people-pleasing yeah. in nature. Yes, yeah. We are often taking a thought that is not real, mm-hmm. making it seem real in our mind, assuming the worst, mm-hmm. making it bigger, and all of a sudden we're having this confrontation in our in our minds and our subconscious, right, can't tell if that's happening or it's in our imagination, but we're creating the vibration that it is. A hundred percent. And I can tell you really, I can break that down as to Great. why that happens. This is what I want. Perfect example. <laughs> so what happens is like, let's say a really simple example. Let's say that your friend does something maybe disappointing to yeah. you and you're, you're a little bit unhappy with it. And you know that you probably, they, they've probably done the wrong thing. Let's call a spade the spade. Yeah. They've probably done the wrong thing and you, you know, you need to talk about it. doesn't mean you don't love them, but you need to talk about it. Yeah. 
rather than actually kind of feeling anger in that stage. And there's a, and I just, there's a distinct difference between anger and aggression because I had so, as a people pleaser, I was so scared of anger because I'd seen aggression. Right, okay. Yeah, and that's what a really a big thing that I think people, because as soon as I say, oh, you need to process anger, people go, ugh. Like, and I was like, no, no. You're going to get angry. It's a fact. You're yeah. going to exp- you're going to get jealous. You're going to get all these different emotions and feelings. It's yeah. how you process them yes. that is different. Um, so what kind of happens is like you know, let's say your friend does something a little bit disappointing, and rather than kind of feeling the anger and processing it, sitting with it and going, okay, what's coming up for me? I don't need to think about my thoughts at the moment. I need to breathe. I just need to acknowledge my feeling here. And really process that. Maybe you need to do something with your body. You need to go for a run or you just need to stretch or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then you'll start to go, okay, I probably need to go and set a boundary yeah. with this person. What happens if you're a people pleaser is you're so scared of feeling anger. So your body's like, no, nah, I don't want to feel anger. So you go into anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then what you start to do is go, oh, my God, I'm worried. You start to project this situation. You'll project, project the issue on them and worry about them getting angry at you. Well, this, this isn't always what happens, but this is an example of what yeah. could happen. Like yes. this is – obviously I'm not saying that this is what always happens. It's very dependent on a person yeah. and that's why, you, you know, you need to probably go to a psychologist yeah. if it's something that's really holding you back. Um, you know, and then you'll project it on the person. You'll feel anxious so you won't do anything and then you'll just repress it. Yeah. And you'll repress it and you'll repress it and you'll repress it. And I think something with me that I've realised is – and it was actually something you said. You actually said to me, you were like, what, what would be the worst thing if you found, you know, the right relationship, like the man of your dreams? And I was like, oh, I'd have to let go of my career. And it's like, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, which is completely unhelpful, like ridiculous programming. And then I said this to my psychologist. I said, I was like, I just, I, I can't, like, I'm so scared of giving up my independence. And she said, it's because you don't know how to set boundaries. Yeah. And unconsciously, this is how it holds you back, right? So mm. until I kind of dig dig into this work, let's say someone wants to bring in a relationship, until I kind of realise what's going on, I was either, I'm going to continue to go for unavailable people or, um, you know, people that I know that I'm never going to let in or just, you know, things that are going to reaffirm that belief system or emotionally unavailable people, people I know I'm not going to fall for mm. because I'm protecting myself. Isn't that so powerful, though, that yeah. you are able to see that? Yeah. <laughs> because that's huge. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's so great that you can now see that. And I'm so excited to see how this goes hand in hand with, like, manifestation now moving yes. forward. That yeah. you've let go yeah. of so much stuff. You've acknowledged and realized so much stuff as well. Yes. And now yeah. it's like, ooh, this is a, I love how, like, the neuroscience, the psychology and manifesting all comes together. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's really, really fascinating. And I think people – that's where the biggest message as well I'd kind of – ever want people to do is just have the ability to self-reflect like don't Uh be don't be scared of the fact that you feel anger don't be scared of the fact that you've got a limiting belief or you've got a feeling because you're going to have them like your brain's always going to make assumptions it's always going to want to keep you safe it's got limitations unfortunately but it's like we've got all these incredible tools Mm. and we can start to change the relationship with them because I think there's a lot of that idea with when we talk about affirmations as well that that toxic positivity a little bit. Uh-huh. There's so much of it around. Yeah. yeah. And it's really unhelpful because you can't push the, – the idea that you can push down and brunt through your feelings, it's it's just – it's not possible. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. And I love what you said, just going back a little bit about like actually self-reflecting mm-hmm. and having some kind of acknowledgement around things that you might say or do yes. that are out of alignment with who you are. Yes. Like let's say you say something and you hurt a friend or mm. you say something at work that came across, you know, wrong. Yes. It is just so important that, yeah, the easier thing would seem to be to bury it yes, and to move on, but that's actually going to do you way more harm yeah. in the long run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you actually take accountability for your actions in that moment, mm. you gain so much more respect. You, you open do. yourself up to that connection that you're so desiring. Yeah. And I really have found that with friendships of my own or mm. like, you know, relationships at work or yes. whatever it is. Yeah. When, if someone does something that's you know, a little bit off for them or maybe they hurt me in the process or yes. whatever is happening. Yeah. I don't necessarily, I mean, of course, depending on situation, mm. but I don't necessarily need that person to apologize. Spot on. But just acknowledge it yeah. that you said it or you did it. Yes. And that for me is like I will release everything and yes. be like it's honestly no problem. I, I literally <laughs> every part of anger or anything yeah. that I'm holding on to yeah. – you that, processed it. Yeah. And yes. I just think acknowledging and having that, like taking accountability is just so huge and it doesn't seem that big, but it is big. And I also feel things that like, I, I'm quite passionate about my work, so I get quite critical of social media, which is probably not, it's, a, it's an amazing platform too, but, yeah, but it can do. It can do a little bit of like people, like, you know, people know about things, but they don't have the evidence behind it. So Mm -hmm. I I, like words I get see thrown around at the moment, purpose, authenticity, vulnerability, and it's almost like trendy. And I'm like, being authentic is lifelong work. Like all being, for me, I value being authentic, but I don't think I'm there yet Mm -hmm. because again, acknowledging, (laughs) like how cool is that? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And what you were saying is like spot on about acknowledging it. It's like to be vulnerable. It's not about, I don't know what most people think it's about. It's just acknowledging things. It's acknowledging that you're human. And I think this is where meditation comes into what you were saying and mindfulness. Another words that get thrown around. Yeah. Mindfulness should be something that's practiced during the day. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's like you you start to go on with a friend, right? And for me, my tail signs is like my body starts to go, my legs start to go a little bit nervy, my throat starts to clear up. I'm like, okay, I'm having a stress reaction here. Mm -hmm. I need to take a couple of deep breaths. Mm Mm-hmm to intervene and really take moment of what's going on and not let, you know, my unhelpful thinking take over, not let my fear response. Um, Nicole LaPera, the holistic psychologist, talks your trauma brain. Oh, yeah. And she's like, it's almost like this trauma brain that, depending on what some people have been through, can take over. She's in her staff, how to do the work is just, it's such an incredible place to start with, um, you know, if you are kind of starting that inner work, like she just breaks down psychology incredibly. She's awesome. Mm. Um, but it's that moment where we need to really train ourselves to kind of go, I need to make a conscious choice here and take accountability. Like, am I acting from something that is an insecurity? Am I, and you don't need to go to a, you, you, like I obviously advocate for a psychologist, but you don't need to go to a psychologist to practice this as well. Mm. This is stuff you can practice in your daily life. It's, be self-reflective. Take a moment to really sit with your feelings. Forget about your thoughts. Identify what's going on in your body. Take a few deep breaths and kind of go, what am I feeling? Where yeah. is this coming from? Yeah. And being really honest with yourself, not wanting, because your thoughts will take over and you'll justify and you'll project and you'll do all these different things. 
it's just changing your relationship with it too. Just mm-hmm. kind of going, these are just thoughts yeah. that are coming in and actually having a moment to really ask yourself, okay, what, where is this coming from? Why am I feeling angry? Yeah. Why am I feeling this? And that's yeah. accountability, I think. I agree. Yeah. And taking note then of when you do take accountability and you do self-reflect yes. and practice that mindfulness, how has that changed the outcome for you? Yeah. Journal about it. Put a date on it yes. so you remember for next time, well, actually, yes. if I do this work, it's going to be hard for five minutes. Yes. Well, I mean, it can be a lot longer, but, yeah. you know, it depends. Yeah, it's, it's hard work for sure. Yeah. But then, like, you're so much better off. So, and... I think what people don't realize too is we're a dopamine addicted society. So journaling Mm. and breathing and all these different things, facing out, like we're very afraid to feel shame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Brene Brown talks about it. A lot of the people, you know, who will come up and present themselves as this superior people, it's not because they're bad people. They're afraid of going in and going, shit, I'm a human like the rest of us. I've got issues just like you. Yeah. You know. That's the thing. It's like I've hurt people. I've done these different things. It's not an easy thing to face. To admit. No. And so our brain kind of, we want to do, like, we want to do things that are enjoyable. Like healing is not always enjoyable, but at the time it's such a release and it's going to create places that are beyond your wildest imagination. Like you don't have to live your, your brain isn't fixed. It's plastic. You don't have to live as a people pleaser. No. You don't have to live with anxiety. You don't have to live with any of these things. They're not attached to you. They're not attached to you. They're not your identity. No. They're a survival mechanism. Yeah, even though they feel absolutely so attached to you, a part of your personality, a part of your identity. Yes. Yeah. And there's been moments when I've gone through stuff and had to face stuff, especially this year, which I've said to you, where I've just gone, I'm never going to feel better. Like, I'm mm. never going to be able to get past this. And that was a thought. That wasn't real. An unhelpful thought. Yeah, Yeah, an unhelpful thought. And I think that's something just is so important to remember that this work isn't always easy, but if it becomes a five-minute part of your routine, like if you start to journal, like a journal's a great way to learn about your unconscious mind Mm. because you might go over, I I do it on a Google Doc and and I look at like, I guess, different weeks and I start to notice themes and patterns. Isn't that interesting? Mm. And I think... A really powerful way of journaling is not judging yourself and reminding yourself yes. that no one ever has to read this. Like if you need to write specific things about specific situations or specific people, yes, let it out. Let it out. If you want to burn it, burn it. Like yes. whatever. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so with all of this knowledge, let's talk about now, like moving forward yes. and finding our purpose. And yeah. I do, I do know that. The term finding your purpose can seem a little bit cliche, similar to listen to your heart, you know, <laughs> go off and find your purpose. Just listen to your heart. And I think this has come from social media, mm. these topics becoming quite trendy, which yes. again is great, but also it it makes it seem like it's really easy and we're already doing it. We're already listening to our heart. We're, we've already found our purpose, yeah. but it's deeper than that. Yes. And you work with this quite a lot, finding your purpose. So what, like, what actually drives us? Like, it's, it's a great question. And I think the whole finding your purpose has put a lot of pressure on people. Yes. Because it's about really being honest with who you are authentically as well. Mm-hmm. One of the best, well, this is such a brilliant question. It's so layered. But one of the best places to start is before kind of unhelpful programming got in the way, where did you lose time as a child? For me, I used to love speaking. I used to love putting on shows. Yeah. I, I was obsessed with stories. I'd watch movies and I'd sit there and I'd create like a sequel. Oh. 
like how does that kind of relate to where I am now I feel like I'm just a storyteller you are yeah and I feel even with what I do with my work now I've gotten more into the designing space and you know contracting work that I've done um, I think what is so amazing about when we understand the brain is we can uncover what our story was mm. and also what we want it to be that's so nice yeah there's a beautiful indigenous philosophy that talks about um when we leave this world behind, all we leave is our story. Yes, I have heard that and yes. it gives me shivers and it yes. really does put everything into perspective. It does. And it yeah. makes the small things just seem so irrelevant. Like why yes. do we waste so much of our precious energy on the small things that it is at the end of the day? It's just it's how we make people feel. It's our story we leave behind. And that's 100%. It's our negativity bias and there's so many. And I think really finding your purpose, it's about being honest with yourself and once you start to layer back the limiting beliefs and the insecurities and all these different things, you will find out what you really want to do. And for some people, it is creating their own business. For some people, it's being a mother. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's just being a good friend or lighting yep. people up. It's And I think if we look at it from a neuroscience lens, like our brain needs connection social and physical safety and respect. We want to be respected and valued for what we do. Yeah. I think I was probably earlier in my career a little bit more ego-driven. Like I was very, uh, I guess, you know, wanting a name for what I did. And, yeah, I think I was driven more. And I still, I'm still very driven and I still want those things. But I think for me now, going through what that I what I have been through and where I was as a child and what I loved and now that I've kind of helped strip back the unhelpful programming. Yeah. It's for helping people, I guess, kind of getting back to who they are at the essence and really just not letting all this bullshit that we have to go through drive us. And the stories we're told. The stories we tell. Society. Expectations. Yeah. All that shit, essentially. Like, and I just think it's about helping people feel good and I think feel enough because I think also as much as your positive experiences take you know build who you are it's also for me there's been so many experiences and there's things that and I don't think I think everyone has been through different things and I think only till I guess this year for me I've really faced what I've been through which Mm. has been so hard but it's also been really incredible I think it's I want people to feel enough Mm. and finding authenticity is such lifelong work because you've got to strip all this stuff back and you've got to realize that so many things we do um, are driven by our programming, not who we are. And I think yeah. at my natural essence where I feel the best is just joy. I feel the best when I'm laughing and having fun. So it's really starting to find where you feel your natural best. Yeah, that's so nice and yeah. it feels light and easy yes. to hear what you're saying. And that's yes. a thing. It can seem like, oh, yeah, it is that simple. And mm. it it is that simple. But, of course, there are layers that we have to all unpack to get there. Yes. And we all have different layers. Yes. I loved what you said, Mads, when you said that <laughs> basically people just want to feel respected and mm. want to feel like they are enough. Yeah, 100%. But don't you think that we need to every single day remind ourselves that we do not have to sacrifice to get there? No. 
Yeah, and exactly. I feel like you just then, you yeah. were like, I just want to make people feel like they are enough. Yeah. But reversing that, like, Maz, you deserve to feel like you are enough as well. So yes. you have to always, you know, I know that you do the work and you do this as well, but yeah. sometimes we need reminding. Yes. It's like you don't have to sacrifice to feel enough either. Getting back to the people pleasing as well, it's there's a difference between you can be a, a nice person and a caring person and still set boundaries, but yeah. there's a difference between self-sacrificing. Mm-hmm. And anyone you have to self-sacrifice for or limit your authenticity, it's not real connection. No. That, that, that's a hard thing, trust yeah. me, because it's like especially – and I think the thing is like if we've – another thing we don't realise, like if we've had – unhelpful experiences as a kid or different things like that we tend to want to play that same role in our relationships right like we, mm. we tend to want to go into like with your acting you might you you might have wanted to go in and play the people please or whatever it yeah. is because your brain likes familiar it doesn't always like what's best for us too so that's why you know you see a lot of people who choose partners god like you know yes. that that is familiar to you because it was similar to something that you had in your childhood yes but it's not best for you. You're not no. your authentic self and it's not really bringing out who you are. But the connection feels like there's that part of you that I think we've all got these wounds that we want to heal and there's that part mm. of us that really wants to heal that. So that feels really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? That feels really nice because I'll feel enough. Yeah. But it's like you have to do that work yourself. No yeah. friend. And I think that's what finding your purpose is really about, if I'm honest. It's about healing whatever you've been through and you don't have to have been through trauma we've all got something we've all got some wound trauma is another word that gets thrown around it's a big yes, word trauma and triggered oh i get annoyed so yeah. do i yeah because i was like i think it takes away from people who, who yeah. yes yeah anyway that's a maybe part two, <laughs> part two yeah. more my maybe this is something i've got to work on <laughs> but yeah these other big words that get thrown but we all have something we've all had some sort of unhelpful experience or something that's hurt us mm. that we need to overcome and i i think that is a really incredible part is once we've done that we can get back to who we are at the natural essence yeah and then everything comes from that like you know finding your purpose is achieving something like finding what drives you for sure like what drives me is people and enjoy and coffee and wine (laughs) like like, I I don't think the things I want to achieve are my purpose they're things I want to do Mm. and I think they're true to my authentic self but I I, I don't put my self-worth in that anymore I love that that's refreshing because I think a lot of people think that those things need to be attached yes and that, that creates so much pressure. Yes. My purpose is to do this one sporting event and succeed. Yes. And you, and then what happens when you've done that? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You set yourself up for yes. disappointment when you've done it and you've achieved it, you felt good, and then what? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So, and it, it's, it's in the moment as well, because a lot of life is ordinary. So making that ordinary extraordinary. Mm. And I think really being in the moment and really kind of going, I can live out my purpose having a conversation with a friend. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think like what you said is when we do come back to that natural essence of us, that is when we can take that aligned, inspired action toward where we want to go. And that's when it feels good. And that's when things flow. And that's when you visualize and it comes into fruition because your vibration, like it's all spot on. It's all attached and it all flows. And that's what I really believe on a spiritual sense as well. And it's, it's so difficult because I work in obviously the science space and then the spiritual like is my own kind of beliefs and still working out what that means to me. But 
I think what it does is like I think when you really get back to your authentic self and you're willing to have courage and overcome these things and take that aligned action, yeah, the things that you need or the things that you want to achieve, that's going to drop into you. Absolutely. Like that's going to become really clear because if you're going after things to feel enough and to feel seen or whatever it is, it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't. Yeah. 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 So I think that's, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Mads, we might finish there because I'm I'm so excited to listen to it back already. Yes. <laughs> but finish off with telling us where we can find you, maybe about Find Your Zest as well. Yes. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. So I obviously have my work, which I do, which is incredible. But I think something I've wanted to do on the side is accumulate my professional experience and my professional personal experience. I've worked in all different areas, like schools and with adults and, yeah, in a lot of different sort of variations. And I kind of wanted to put my kind of scientific knowledge and my personal knowledge together and develop like a little bit of a toolkit that people, practical exercises that people can do every day Mm. to enhance this work um, and really demystify self-reflection. And and I think the biggest thing is it doesn't have to be difficult work. It can just become a part of your routine. It's just about kind of in the moment knowing your body signs and taking some deep breaths Mm. or doing a little bit of journaling or asking yourselves the right questions too. Our brain, our subconscious can't distinguish between good or bad. Like we have to guide it. We have to take control. Or what's going to happen is if we're feeling those negative thoughts, it's going to find all the information to support that. It's going to draw out all the experience that were unhelpful Mm -hmm. to be able to get there. So very practical tips that I use to overcome public speaking, the journey that I guess I'm going on now which is a whole new level mm. and just things that I've learned even from going to a psychologist and my, you know, tertiary background, I've just kind of put things into a little bit of a practical toolkit that people can use. Amazing. Yeah. And I will put the link in yes. the show notes. Yes. It's, is it ready yet? It'll be ready in a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. So I'll basically what I'll do is I'll yes. put the link in the show yes. notes, keep checking back, Yes. follow Mads on social, and then yes. you'll know when it's out. Yes. yes. Perfect. Oh, but thank you so much for coming on That's the right. podcast. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. <laughs> We're just missing the hot chocolate and the coffee. Just miss- yes, definitely, and the coffee. <laughs> Thanks, Mads. Thank you. <laughs>